Welcome to Crashing Game Night. My name is Matt Diorio. I welcome in my co-host, as always, Gerard Barrer, as well as our Padawan, Theo Wolski. How you guys doing tonight? Hello, my fellow gamers, comic book readers, and nerds. What's going on, my, my boys? How's it going? Oh, wait. If I'm Padawan, does that make me Skywalker? No. Well, wait. Hold on. Are we talking little, like, little bitch Anakin? Or Amidala? <laughs> Oh, no! She's cool, man. She's a dual wielder. No, 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 no. Uh, nah. She's sweet. I like her. No. As long as I'm not bitch Anakin. No, he's bitch Anakin. No. Damn it! <laughs> I ain't that mean. <laughs> I ain't that mean. So, I want to thank everybody for the patience this week because uh, we are recording a day later than we normally do. That is because both of these fine gentlemen were flying joint venture yeah, yeah. out here to Virginia for a nice, good, fun weekend with all of us. Yeah, we're actually together once. I yes. know, right? For the first Finally. time. And what's funny is we were talking at the airport. This yeah. is the first time we've all been together since E3. Since E3. Has it been since yeah. E3? Yeah, because I moved, I moved into May. It's all your fault. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. And I, I mean, mean, I mean, one trip I mean, over do, here. I mean, it doesn't help that prior that you live in L.A. Yeah, I live in then though, it's a quick trip. But I got a job offer I couldn't refuse. I like staying in the middle. It works. Yeah, where it's like a blizzard. Actually, and actually yeah, it, go, it goes from freaking 80 degrees on Tuesday <laughs> to blizzard on Wednesday. That's awesome. So yeah, guys, I I had to wear I had to wear uh, shorts the other day. It was just it was terrible. It was like seventy seven degrees. Okay, hold up. The sun was out. You want to talk I about hate you? You want to talk about seventy seven degrees? Hold I hate on, you. hold on. You're gonna laugh at this because you were kind of there for this. But Jerry shows up at my place today wearing a nice little winter jacket, his beanie, pants. I mean, he's oh, still wearing the beanie right hold now. On. I always wear the beanie. It was 75 degrees here in Virginia on a coast. Jerry's used to being on a coast. Okay. I swear so, to God. I swear I thought it was going to be cold, though. It was not cold today. But do you, do you, you have the weather app on your phone, so... I mean, I checked the weather app, too. And it was, I just saw that it was raining and it would be like a high of 77, so I was like, uh, eh, maybe the rain. Yeah, I something. didn't check it. Yeah. Way to be. Yeah. Way to be. <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> responsible. <laughs> Such an adult. I, you know what? I, 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 I travel with a childlike sense of wonder. <laughs> you know what? I'm eyes gonna, wide open, eyes wide open. everything. I'm just gonna what? take my beanie and my jacket and we're I'm just gonna go. Hey, by the way, second start of the right and straight on some <laughs> Thank you. So let's go ahead and start off the news uh, in the gaming world this week. Um, GameStop announced they lost $673 million. Now, that is after they included an, an impairment charge of $964.2 million. But they lost that in profit? Okay. So, Not really that surprised. was a... It was a 21% decline in pre-owned sales. Not surprised. Eight, approximately 8% decline in new software sales. And... Mm. For the last quarter, it was a $187.7 million loss when it was compared to $105.9 million for the prior year for the same quarter. Overall sales dropped 3%. But, I mean, could that be company. a Nintendo Switch thing? You know, for me, I, I can see from a 21% decline in pre-owned sales is the digital market. True. Um, honestly, PSN, 
much like Xbox Live or even Nintendo Switch, right through the eShop, they do some killer sales sometimes. Yeah. And you can get them cheaper. That are actually quite digitally. baffling. I mean, the sales um, are quite baffling. That I mean, heck, do. even Best Buy sells some of their games cheaper on sale than GameStop does their pre-owned games on that. Like, if I wanted, I was looking at potentially getting a Switch Pro Controller, just in case. You know, Theo, which he did forget his Switch. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was looking at the prices, and GameStop, you know, sells it brand new for 70 is selling it for, like, 57 bucks used. You know, my sure discount still 53 bucks. So for me, I can go spend 3 bucks more, get a brand new controller at Best Buy right now, because they're on sale for 56 bucks. Yeah. And I can guarantee that's still cheaper than GameStop. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing is you shop around now, the sales are better. We all know that when you trade in a game, it's 25 bucks, And then, you know, for a trade credit for a brand it's new game. It's kind of an ongoing I mean, joke of then, how bad the buyback is with GameStop. It is. I, I will have to uh, applaud Best Buy for their trading program because they are actually pretty darn good. I have, not, I have not looked at their trading program for games. I, um, their trading is usually pretty good. I think the last time I went in and I traded in God of War three, and I came and it was still like it was the remastered edition. It's like uh, way past so it's anybody. Old. It's pretty old. Still got twenty five bucks for it. That's not bad. And I mean, I just traded. But then again, it, I just traded in my my iPad Mini two, oh. and got seventy for it. And I even traded in a Surface Pro Four, which is still two generations back, and still got two sixty. Mm-hmm. I think they've been really trying to to push their customer service a little bit better than well than well, the market because I wouldn't quite say well, the service well, is so, better. Well, well, I mean so the bu- the buyback and and all of that. I think they've really ta- taken steps forward to. Like I think we we need we need to relook at how we're doing things. Yeah. Well, Best Buy just got rated as the number one sustainable co- uh, company out of all retail mm-hmm. for uh, 2018. So, so um, I mean, they're smart with the trading because yeah. you don't get cash; you get Best Buy, which is fine. You can go gift card, use whatever you need it for. Yeah, you know? and I mean, they always um, have sales on mul- yep. multiple electronics and stuff like that in their stores. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. The the one thing I will say about GameStop, um, I think if they want to survive, <laughs> going back to customer service, I think they really need to stop with the pushing of the pre-orders or pushing yep. with the, I like sometimes I come in, I just want to talk games with with the guys, and like like don't push me on a game like no sorry man that's not my kind of game are you sure it's gonna be great it's like if you just pre-order for five dollars like bro i'm i'm not interested and, in the and game that's the thing is unfortunately like the employees are under the gun they, yeah. to get x amount of they pre-orders. need to make a quota and then if somebody right. comes in and cancels pre-orders you have to make that up in the day yeah. so um then they, then they push then they push you even harder on something else or like what did i do wrong or like dude it's but what and, I miss is, like, from back in the day was, especially with, like, it wasn't necessarily a push with pre-orders, but there was community events for pre-orders, especially with, like, my favorite GameStop. It was always like, oh, we got this event going on for this 
coming up or like we're doing this special you know, midnight release if you go ahead and pre-order oh, and yeah. we're gonna even like maybe open the doors two hours early you can put test it out on stuff and the thing you mentioned about that is like the store that used to be by my house yeah when i was out in colorado is they used to do them all the time so like when um smash brothers came out on the wii u they did a big a big smash brothers night like you know, a where they kind of like busted out the wii yeah, and, cool. and did that stuff so um you know there's not enough of that but i think you know the, the employees are so under pressure for that. I and, think that's the And I problem. think the problem with, with... But I don't think it's the employees, because, I mean, it's it's still the, the well, game no, it's the company. as a company. It's the company. It's, it's the, company. the rules it's that, that they imply on just, their employees. They're just <laughs> being lazy and just sticking, like, we just need to focus on the sales rather than promoting the game. Yeah. Because all I ever get, whenever I open the games, I was like, did you want to look through our pre-release list? Like they don't even know what's coming out. Yeah. Or really know any detail on it. It's like I have to find my own thing and like maybe question whether or not what I think a game if they is. have their managers or their staff, like just just pay attention to the individual stores and you know what? whatever you can do to bring the community in, you know, yeah. make make and them feel like a neighborhood. They need to go back to feeling like neighborhood. Kind of funny is I was talking to Theo about it and you and I talked about it when you were out here last time in October, is like I have a GameStop right across the street. I have a GameStop two miles down the road. I have another one that's like 10 miles up the road up in Ashland. But I will drive 15, 20 minutes out to Short Pump and go to the GameStop out there because the store manager out there, and I'm gonna, um, I know he's starting to listen to it, but Steve and his staff are fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they, 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 know their, they know their stuff. They, they will sit there and talk shop with you. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you happen to um, cancel some pre-orders, they, you know, of course they ask the customer, hey, was it just something you changed your mind on, whatever, you know. So, you know, granted, we, we you guys gave me crap about it last week because I had six pre-orders, you know. <laughs> it got dropped down to three, um, and then I had the days gone on top of it, which I, you know, I, I did a full pre-order for it. Straight up, paid it all off right then and there. So, right But the store, the staff, I think makes that store. It's a nice store to begin with, yeah. Because um, we've gone, we went out there, yeah. Um, but the staff is what makes the store, and I think that's what makes any GameStop is the staff. And there's some stores that I go into, the they seem so disinterested in a lot of their employ their customers rather because they're yeah. so focused on pre-orders, yeah, or you know turning mostly, something around. They're all about business. Um, and I, I think the problem is is that GameStop hitched their entire business model to that circle of life model that they had, which is buy a brand new game, bring it in for trade, you know, Uh, get something else. And, you know, people are getting wiser to the fact is that they know that if they buy a brand new game, you know, they're only going to get 25 bucks back on it. It's not like it used to be where you actually got like 40 bucks back, you know, and they turned around and sold it for 55. Now it's 25 bucks. You do, but you have to get it back in within like the first two weeks of release. Yeah. Or if they're um, throwing some kind of special offer if you turn in something so, within a certain time, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's hard for them, too, is the fact is they didn't find a buyer. So that means people out there, investors out there who, I mean, heck, Dish even went out and bought Blockbuster. I mean, come on. <laughs> Blockbuster was, a, I mean, it was dead. It really was. Yeah. I mean, but they bought it for essentially the online component, you know, and branded their online stuff for... 
Um, right, because wasn't there a little while they mm-hmm. had like their own GameFly type of version of Blockbuster? So Blockbuster had or Netflix, a GameFly. It was Netflix. They, it was Blockbuster. It was because Blockbuster by mail originally. And yeah. Then, um, so that was a bad model to begin. Don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> we'll be here all night because it was that Man, bad. I, yeah, I don't um, even remember that. You don't remember? Oh, I remember, I remember the commercials. They were oh, so dude, lame. Really? <laughs> and and that was one of the bad business decisions. And you know. The old CEO of the company, when I first became a store manager, um, was doing a tour. So we went down as a region down to um, Park Meadows, that movie theater is down there. Yeah. Um, and we had a meeting there. And he said, you know what? You know, Blockbuster's problem was is that you and Hollywood Video had been playing football all this time. Okay? Straight up game. Football. Both playing the same game. Here comes Netflix sets up a ping pong table at the 50 yard line and you decide during <laughs> halftime I'm going to go play ping pong too. <laughs> and, and that's that's what, a great analogy. And it was, but it fit, the, it fit really like perfectly it. and I think that's one of the bad business decisions. So, um, you know, right now GameStop is fighting against online streaming yeah. that is on its way. Yeah. We've got Stadia. We've got Project X Cloud. We know Amazon's working on one. We know mm-hmm. Walmart's looking into it. Um, I think you've got that piece. You've got Game Pass right now, which Microsoft is looking at combining with Xbox Live into a $15 a month subscription instead of being you know $20 for each one separately if you're paying it you know individually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they offer is hey if you find a game on Game Pass that you really like that you want you get a discount when you buy it digitally through us. Mm. You know that's mm. one of the benefits of Game Pass, which I think it's fantastic. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works if they bring Game Pass to Switch because how, what do you do you need to go out and buy a 128 gig card just to install Halo? Yeah. <laughs> you know if that's how it goes I mean it'll be interesting to see how they do it um, but they're contending with that they're contending with all these sales that all these companies are doing now digitally um, and a lot of people are moving to digital just because it's it's easier to store things. Some of us like the physical copies, you know. I like I like having my steelbook cases and, and whatnot. They're they're mm-hmm. pretty. Um, but I get it. That's the way we're doing. It. And GameStop has been late to the game. They've constantly been saying, "Nope, it's use games, use games, use games." But as the business is dwindling, I mean, come on, you lost. Well, even just competing, not just competing with digital, but again, backtracking to competing against Best Buy with the mm-hmm. same thing, is that like still, like I said, like I miss the days when there was mm-hmm. midnight releases for video games at GameStop. Like yeah, I would mm-hmm. wait in line, I'd chat up some new guys and make some mm-hmm. new friends or whatever, maybe get some PSN gamer tags or whatever. But now that they removed that, like I if it, if if, if, I, if, to, if, if I have to stick to business hours, I'm just gonna go over to Best Buy. I'm gonna trade in the game and get a discounted. Uh, rate on my new game and yeah. something, and I'll probably get a better rate, anyways. And that's still happening right now. It's like still gonna be that Best Buy will probably have more pre-orders for physicals than GameStop. Mm-hmm. I would assume, especially with the trade-in program that they have. I think that's I, I totally agree. When once they lost that like neighborhood feel of the midnight release, because that that's when you really felt like the commitment of your regulars. Yeah. And. Not to mention, I think I think it was a real Hail Mary pass when they bought out Think Geek, when they decided not to just well, sell just games, but they're also their, selling... Their like, collectibles were up 48%. Yeah. Oh, really? With <laughs> yeah. pops and all that? 
Yeah, everything on the I, I thought site, they were pretty but, smart to to mm-hmm. partner with ThinkGeek. ThinkGeek yeah. used I mean, to be my crack. Did, yeah, it does. It does give them a mm-hmm. yeah. It does give them a little bit of variety instead of just. Well, and but, what's, what's sad is is like we talked about the PlayStation Gear Store, right, and not being back up yet. Yeah, you know that was run by ThinkGeek. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. and if you notice, all the PlayStation stuffs even pretty much gone off their website too. Yeah, off of ThinkGeek. You got very, very few things, even for Horizon Uncharted or anything like that. Yeah, most of your stuff is gone. Pop culture, or pop culture with yep. movies and stuff. Oh wow! Yep. Do you think very little comic? Do you think it's going to come up on either Think Geek or are they? Do you think they're re? They're going to rebrand their store and reopen it or? Um, honestly, I don't know because I, I got to thinking about this. Is like you know, I ordered this the Uncharted statue from Europe. It's the UK exclusive for the PlayStation Store, right? You know, UK gets a lot of cool stuff for special editions. They Nintendo, do. PlayStation. I, I even like ordered a um, UK special edition Captain Marvel when she's opening the lunchbox. Oh, sweet! <laughs> and oh, so that's, that's cool. on that's on its way. But it's still from UK. Like, there's lots of UK special and, stuff. You know, there's stuff that we just don't get. Like when um, I remember, actually, I remember a few consoles. And a few games that they got. Dude, Japan way, gets yeah. Japan gets some and Japan wicked got PS4 way better uh, collectors editions or like they got like just that one little extra thing mm-hmm. from the collectors editions that like oh no it's UK mm-hmm. and Japan only. Well, like and, Return uh, Return of Samus Metroid Two when uh, it came out on came re released on the the DS mm-hmm. what a year or two ago. Europe had a steelbook. Oh wow! And all we got was the soundtrack. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of things, and if you look at the the PlayStation UK store, there is a lot of cool stuff in there, from shirts to gaming stuff that we just didn't even come close to. Even the Nintendo Nintendo um, when they had the rewards program before they shut it down here on the stateside. Oh, with the coins, yeah. Over there, it was there was a ton of different stuff you could actually get that was really yeah, really cool. They had statues and everything. I had, I had to use up my coins before they stopped the program. Mm-hmm. Like all I got was uh, like a Zelda pencil pouch mm-hmm. or something, oh. and it was still like all my coin <laughs> in order to get it. I was yeah. Like, mm, okay. I got that a sucks. Pikmin tote bag for yeah for, <laughs> for Lena one. You know, it was like it's stupid stuff over there. They get some really cool stuff. So. Maybe it's just that the, they don't think the the U.S. really wants to do that sort of thing. I mean... Or is it that the U.S. doesn't think that they need to do it? You know, I... Well, to, actually, to be could, quite could, honest, I think there's more of a market with Europe and, and Japan because they actually utilize mm-hmm. and use those, like, when it comes to shirts, backpacks, pouches, all of that. Yeah. That's actually part of their fashion, and they actually use that mm-hmm. every day. To where people, I think there is a market for that in the Europe. You know, I would love to see Nintendo, even just in Nintendo wise, is everything you have in the Nintendo store that's in New York, put it up for sale, right, on your website. I think we're a little bit less lenient on like utilizing that stuff out here Mm -hmm. because it's not fashionable or cool. I mean, yeah, unless you're a gamer. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't. Ex- I would make it exclusive to the gamers. So I feel like the, the pop culture scene has grown. I think it has. It's, it has it's, grown, it's, but it's expanded. Gotten, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, it's definitely not to where like. Yeah, but for true like loyal, true loyal gamers, like, I think it's still a little niche. Like the U.S. is more pop culture in terms of Game of Thrones. 
Avengers yeah. comics, not necessarily video games. I yeah. mean, how often? I mean, un- unless it's Zelda, Mario, something that like has I mean, been has for decades. Yeah, I get that's it. something you're gonna see. Yeah, but very rarely, like those those. Uh, hey, two, I, those two exa- those two producers that came up to me like, hey, is that a is that an infamous backpack? Oh backpack? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like you rarely ever see yeah. stuff like that. You know, like, oh, yeah, I yeah. used to get excited walking downtown here. Work, you know, I was working downtown in Denver. Is like. There was a guy that used to walk by. He used to either wear his N7 hoodie mm. or he would have the N7 backpack. And I would know exactly, hey, you're a Mass Effect you know, fan yeah. right there. So it's not it's, – I don't think it's exactly as deemed culturally acceptable to be rocking game gear. I, I, um, I, I, I still don't feel personally that, that it's a matter of exception because at the same time, I feel like the marketing for that stuff has been – failed for the gaming community uh because like one everything is super expensive for anything that's really game branded like i bet you that n7 uh hoodie was like at least 120 that's true the backpack was 120 the hoodie was 80 you're you're pressuring these gamers that are already paying 70 dollars a game for physical or digital and you're going to tack on this huge thing not going to lie and then you're still not and you're (laughs) still not it was 80 bucks plus 40 bucks to ship it in from Europe right and but and then still the marketing is not allowing these gamers to keep up with like what their interest is in, in order to for new things like buying the special edition consoles you're not getting that f- trade in value in order to make it worth going to go get it yeah or because otherwise you're just going to stick to what you have like i have still stuck to my original ps4 because i'm not going to get my trade in value especially now to well, trade up to a ps4 and that's the thing is, like gamestop used to do Pro. where if you traded in a special edition console you got more out of it yeah but now it's the same price. It's the same price. I can yeah. trade that one in, or even you know, Eva's PS4 for the same exact price. It doesn't matter that that's, that's a exactly edition. why I kept my old PS4 when I bought right. my. So my, I, th- my I feel Pro. Like, I feel yeah. like it's not a matter of, of making it acceptable in culture, but it's just that the marketing and sales is really mm-hmm. pushing against getting it and allowing people to uh, mm-hmm. have it in the community and make it acceptable. Now, if the PS5 does come out and it's backwards compatible completely, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's getting traded in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As pretty as that thing is, it's getting <laughs> traded in. I'm kind of more too lazy to uh, open up my PS4 again and take out the one terabyte drive that I put in there. So, <laughs> so as we talk about accessibility to Game Gear, yep. you know, cross-sport, let's talk about the debate that's been going on for about a week now um, and in terms of accessibility. Um Sekiro has really brought this to the forefront because, um, you know, for the makers of Dark Souls, Bloodborne, you know... Did you keep your pre-order for Sekiro? I never pre-ordered it. I I thought you did. No, I never saw enough about it Mm -hmm. until it came out. Everyone was talking about it. Like, everyone was Mm -hmm. Twitch streaming on it, and that's when I got a little bit more interested in how challenging Mm -hmm. it is. And and I think that's been the debate now is because of how much of a challenge it truly is, it's kind of alienated a certain population of gamers. One one in terms of gamers that um, may have a disability, that Mm -hmm. they they need to put a game on uh, a lower setting to enjoy the game and, and play the game, or um, you just have somebody that's just not good at those games. Like I Bloodborne, I've heard from so many people it's an amazing game. I'm sorry, I started that game up, 
first five minutes, that game kicked my ass mm-hmm. left and right, and it had it was such a sharp learning curve that I was like, you know what? Even the demo kicked my ass. Yeah, so I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna waste. I'm not gonna you know waste my time. Keep getting my ass kicked to the first five minutes of the game where I can't go anywhere and I keep dying. Right. Actually, and a lot of friends that know me game wise have suggested Bloodborne and Dark Souls because. Uh, I used to play like Tenchu and those old Sega games where it was kind of the same thing. You needed that timing, that skill, mm-hmm. and you had to not to be afraid to repeat, you know, that level 10, 15 times, after, and then that 16th time you get past it. Yeah, but so when like, you end up being frustrated if, like, that's beyond your, like, physical abilities? Um,. I don't know about I don't you know what I can't knock the game for it being what it is because it's meant for there there is a there is a certain way that you can beat the bosses and beat the game yeah because they kind of went the old school PlayStation game way where like all the bosses have a formula okay. you just have to stick to the formula mm-hmm. and and really know and utilize the three different buttons, or uh, three didn't, three different buttons for the uses of a dash, parry, and step. Right. So, but it is possible. It's just how patient are you? And yeah, do so you have the skills know, to do it? But we all know you can choose. You can choose any game, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but but, but I, think, you're, I think what you're talking about is for the people who have disabilities who may want to play the game, but can't mm-hmm. do a complex. Uh, so controls like that maybe have an easier mode. Is that what you're saying? So I want to take this to a different kind of um, roundabout way to think about it. So yeah, the topic is whether or not like to maybe make it easier to or just make to it more accessible to more people. to accommodate yeah. that. So I almost question that from with I agree that like maybe the game shouldn't necessarily be hindered in order to do that. But I still think that it needs to be some sort of availability. I would agree that there maybe there was like a mode because you can switch to because like I want because yeah. like since I have my archery like there is para archery, and that is they don't they still have to use a base bow, they they can't make modifications to the bow at all uh-huh. in order to make them shoot better. They can make other things like attachments to their bodies in order to replicate the same type of motions that uh, other people can mm-hmm. that they can't. Like, there is an armless um, compound shooter that shoots all over the world using his feet and his mouth. Oh, wow. But mm-hmm. the, And the only way that he does that is that he holds it in between his teeth and he has a jaw release. So there's nothing modified mm-hmm. into the bow. So if you compare that to the game, it can be to where nothing's modified, but if we give the... The for the accessibility, yeah. like some sort of modified controller or and something like that, like the commercial for Xbox that we've yeah, seen, yeah, yeah. where the, especially around the Super Bowl time, yeah, I mean, yeah, the was, kid had the controller on his wheelchair or whatever yeah. with the large buttons for him to be able to hit, and he yeah. like hit a high score or anything, but it didn't hinder the game. It just allowed it mm-hmm. increased the ability mm-hmm. of. With the kid. But I think, I, I totally agree, but I think 
with this with this in particular game, it's that hard to where. Well, I think that just might them. need. I think it's just them though. All their games are like that. Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, all, Demon Souls. Yeah, it's the same Blood thing. Horn. So I think if they did have like maybe an easier mode, if you had an attachment or if you had like maybe that modular controller. Mm-hmm. That uh, that if they can read like oh you ins- inserted this do you want to do accessible mode, maybe that. But I I am I am more for the game developers develop this game and just put it out. Maybe they didn't think about that this time. I, I'm kind of I'm I'm rather. I think it needs to be. I think it needs to be up to the the studios. You know, you decide how you want your game to be. Right. And, and right. Maybe, and maybe this is this is great that it's starting to. It needs to be build that conversation. About. It needs you to know, be talked about. And maybe uh, it needs to start becoming more of a normal thing for games to have that option. And I think it's. I think, it is. Time. I think that would it be really a good is idea. Time because you, there is a lot of people that just either a don't have the ability to play the game right? Yeah. Um, for some reason or another um, also too is there some people that just want to just enjoy the story enjoy the game you know there's I'm trying to remember what game it was that when you started up it literally it was like instead of easy normal and hard it was hey this mode is for if you really want to just enjoy the story Horizon Oh, it was Horizon. When Horizon yeah. started up, or even says, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein. And, 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 and actually, hey. the new Tomb Raider games asked you like, Do you, "Have you played Tomb Raider before?" Like, "No." Oh, well, maybe okay. this easier mode will be for you, the yeah. newcomer. Well, they have that same for Wolfenstein. Granted, yeah. they kind of make fun of you in a in a way because <laughs> they're all like easy mode, like this is for babies, and like yeah. puts them in a bonnet with a freaking uh, <laughs> pacifier it, and everything. I but. think the conversation needs to be had. I think you look at some of the patents that Sony's been filing, you know, starting to file that they're starting to come to light for the PS5. Is that one of the things was deep learning in the PS5 that if you're playing a game and it's kicking your butt, it is going to automatically decrease the difficulty on the game to allow you to kind of get through it. Mm. So I... And I I like that piece in terms of the fact is that it's going to allow people that just aren't gamers or they're new to gaming, you know, that, I mean, all of us here have started off with, you know, we've had Nintendo, we've had Super Nintendo, N64s, right? So... We know what life was like prior to easy mode, you know? Right. And there were, you know, there's some levels, even nowadays, Mario will still kick my ass. Yeah. You know, because of how it is. Yeah. But... But I think if they there's still a generation, the there's but that, no, was still, but that was still, like, you progressed to yeah. get that part. Mm-hmm. It's like you weren't on World 1, Level 1, and getting your ass kicked, really. No. Unless you just, um, like, really, really sucks. Really sucks. <laughs> yes. But I think you look at the games then versus now, games now are so complex yeah. in their design, you know, that I think there does, the conversation needs to be had about accessibility because as a studio for me, right, yes, I'm going to make a game in my vision, okay? And, and I think Bloodborne was done like that. Sekiro mm-hmm. was done like that. But for me, the lifeblood of my studio is money. Yeah. I'm... For me personally, I'm going to want as many people to enjoy my game as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To allow me to give these better stories and everything like that. Um, so I think you do kind of alienate a group. And, you know, some of the attitudes that are on Twitter lately about it, they're like, well, you know what? If you can't play the game, you should just not play it at all. Well, you know what? I sometimes mean, you just can't. Sometimes you that's can't the point because I mean, yeah. like, not you can't always please everybody. No, you absolutely always, not. You shouldn't and necessarily the, try to please everybody. And I all think the time. that's why the studios need to be kind of left to their own vices and say, yeah. "This is what we're going to do." But I think they they should also keep in mind that there's a lot of people out there that may be fans of their games 
that just can't play their games at the level they're designed for one reason or another, whether it's disability, dexterity, whatever, you know, I've got some coworkers at work that are, you know, getting PS4s for the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, one of them was on 360. The other one, last time they had a system was, you know, Xbox, you know, so they haven't played. I mean, there's a huge generational yeah. jump between even the that Xbox and the generational PS4. jump. Like the games have gotten so much complex, yeah, yeah. so much more dexterity. You know, they're trying to they were trying to play Spider Man, and it was like, dude, I am getting my butt kicked. What am I doing wrong? And it's like, you just gotta you gotta learn to just one of those things. It's like you start learning to cheese it. Like with Spider Man, some of the DLC stuff. Man, that third one. It's is, tough. They definitely challenge you. Yeah. Hugely tough. And I got my butt kicked a lot. But then I realized, you know what? If I jump up airborne, yank him up to me, I can be above the crowd, isolate the one, I can beat them, and then I'm not worrying about these other guys. I'm only worrying about the guys with guns and rocket launchers. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit easier to maintain everything. Um, but that being said is... you can No spoilers, easily... though. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No spoilers there. Um <laughs> Which, I mean, the ending was great to that. Anyways, um, I thought the final battle was kind of a little eh. But um, overall, I think the game was better than the DLC, though. Uh huh. But getting um, back to that, I think, but I, think uh, I really do think maybe studios should start thinking of having a disability mode, something like that, for, for those few. And also more hardware, other than... What Xbox did, which was I think was which they offered up to everybody. Yeah, and yeah, PlayStation yeah. and Nintendo have yet to keep them up on it. And yeah, I, and I we think we need honestly, more hardware for those those few that are disabled and or don't have well, or aren't accessible to regular controllers and and, and as, be able to play games. And as much as I I love Nintendo, right? You look at the design of the Switch right now. It is it's even designed for a certain subset population though. It is not designed for those with bigger hands. Yeah. Mm. It is not because the way that's designed, it's not really ergonomic. It's straight up flat and then it curved at the top and the way you have to hold it, you know, can cause, you know, people to get hand cramps and stuff like that to the point where you got to go out and buy little grips to try and help with some of the pain, which, Mm. I mean, come on, these suck. (laughs) You know, I'd rather play in tabletop. Or third party games where it's like thicker, or third party controllers. And I would say this is like even um, Insomniac at one of the for Sony at one of the, pre- uh, the conventions a couple weeks ago or last month they even held a panel on accessibility and stuff like that. And I think there's some studios that do a great job about trying to include everybody. Insomniac's one of them. They're constantly supporting everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, whether you're you're disabled or you know you're LGBTQ. You know, they're they're supporting everything. And they, they look at that value in their games, too, which I think, honestly, I think what should happen is if developers themselves have your have one vision, okay? This is what you want your game to be, Bloodborne, right? But include some sort of a, just a mode, even if it's just one singular mode, you have a, here's the real game, and here's story mode, yeah. right? Where it's just all about the experience of the game and the story itself, not just, hey, that's dumbing it down, but maybe it's certain mechanics just aren't included in it because you want it to be more accessible for them. Yeah. I, I think something needs to happen. It yeah. really does. Um, and more, more and more starting to talk about it, which I think mm-hmm. is great. The conversation is getting out there. Um, but I still feel like, I, I think you're right. I think we're still very behind. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, 
Another story that broke this week was Bioware. We know they've been under fire since Anthem, but now <laughs> it's it's come under fire for even more. Um, since Andromeda. And really, I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it really has, but more so Anthem has come under, yeah. it's more fire. And a lot of it has been because of their work culture. Now, granted, you know, if you read the article by um, Jason Schreier from Kotaku, is that he's heard from a lot of developers that say, you could take Bioware out of the sentence, put my studio's name in the sentence, and it's going to be the same environment. But with Bioware, you know, they had this belief in Bioware magic that you work hard enough, you know, it's going to just happen. It's all going to come together, and unfortunately, Andromeda anthem just didn't come together with the bioware magic we're used to um they had they were you know stress depression anxiety they even had employees that were forced to take time off doctor's orders Mm. because of how bad it was so all of this came out ea stayed mum bioware stayed mum for about a day and a half and then they released a, a letter okay so here's the letter, and you can understand kind of where this is kind of come from. Hey, Bioware, I wanted to get a note out to you to share my thoughts on the Kotaku article and the online discussion it has raised. The article mentions many of the problems in the development of Anthem and some of our previous projects, and it draws a link between those issues and the quality of our workplace and the well-being of our staff. These problems are real, and it's our top priority to continue working to solve them. What we found out of bounds was the naming of specific developers as targets for public criticism. It's unfair and extremely traumatizing to single out people in this way, and we can't accept that treatment towards any of our staff. That's why we did not participate in the article and made and made a statement to that effect. When I, um, when I was offered, this is Casey Hudson, um, the new head of Bioware, right? He's like... When I was offered the opportunity to return to Bioware as GM, I came into the role knowing the studio was experiencing significant challenges in, ter- in team health, creative vision, and organizational, uh, organizational focus. I was, and continue to be, excited to help drive improvements in those areas because I love the studio, and above all, I wanted to create a place where all of you are happy and successful. I'm not going to tell you I've done a good job at that, and on a day like today, I certainly feel like I haven't. But some of the steps we've taken towards this include a more focused studio vision and values so that we have clarity on what we are here to do and how we define a high standard for our studio culture. We updated our studio structure around a matrix so that department directors can be fully focused on individual career support and well-being. We are definitely, or we are defining better role clarity so that people can succeed better against clear expectations, and we are putting in place production changes that will provide for clearer project vision as well as a significant post-production period that will further relieve pressure and anxiety on teams during development. But I do know there's much to do and we'll talk in more detail about other actions we've been planning in response to internal feedback and postmortems at next week's All Hands. As well as please continue to provide feedback on further steps we can take to make Bioware the best place to work I'm committed to getting us to a place where we are delivering on the high expectations for Bioware games through a work environment that's among the very best in the world. With your help, we'll get there. Please let me know if you have, you know, if you like talking person, be happy to set a time and clear your thoughts. All right. So my thoughts is this. That is corporate song and dance to a T. Yeah. And 
you know, kind of saying that it wasn't fair to basically throw them out. You know what? You could say that all you want about Me Too, but it needed to happen. You need to throw that out there and say, yes, my work environment is terrible. Mm. You know, and when you find out more about the background is that where some of these guys had stresses because one, they're working on an engine, Frostbite, was built for sports games and yep. first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. It was not built for RPGs. No. Secondly is they were pulling people off of Bioware to go work on FIFA. <clears throat> so you're pulling people off of a project. Of course, FIFA makes, trust me, FIFA makes EA a ton of money. I mean, yeah. they sponsor FIFA. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to put... At least FIFA is worldwide. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but the thing is, though, it... It is going to put more anxiety. It's going to put more stress on the people that are still there because you've got a deadline you've got to meet. And all of us have worked in a capacity where when we're short, frankly, it sucks because we got... Sounds familiar on a certain uh, call center uh, Matt and I have worked on uh, where uh, certain people... Or we're we're usually left with... uh, we're supposed to have a certain amount of people on, which we don't, and then still yep. lend out more people to help out other projects. Correct. <laughs> so I think that's everywhere in corporate America. But I, you know what? To say that it wasn't fair to single out, I mean, it needed to happen. And it needs to cult- culturally, it needs to change across the board. You've got some studios that really focus on their teams, wanting to make it better. And then you've got other studios where it's like this. It's like we all... You know, Bioware has always made great games, but then all of a sudden, they're not. But guess who they work for? They don't work for Bioware. Right. EA's, EA. EA's making their check right now. Yeah. And the way EA's closing studios, you know, you hope and you pray that your team's not going to get the X. Mm. I mean... To already be under that kind of pressure and just <coughs> wondering and hoping, uh, you know, once also doesn't... Right, spring but it, but a, a great work environment but especially yeah. when you're already putting in like some of your best work mm-hmm. but getting hit with red tape yeah. or unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. or anything like that rather than really being able to be all like hey mm-hmm. this is how we envision it this is why we envision it this way this is how we're going to go about it rather than it's like oh but where's the money in this yeah yeah Where's the money? This? How are we going to get more money out of this? How, how is this going to continue to pr- produce more money beyond that $70 mm-hmm. that they just spent on the game? Mm-hmm. And things like that. And I really hope Respawn is not feeling the pressure. Mm. Because you've got them working on Jedi Fallen Order for EA. <coughs> and we know that EA is not one to take losses lightly right now. And you got to think of the huge amount of pressure that is on Respawn for this game because when was the last time we had a truly great Star Wars game? If you had to think about it, when was the last one? The first uh, Force Awakens. Force Unleashed? Force Unleashed, yeah. You know, and I would say Force Unleashed was a lot of fun, but for me, the last great Star Wars game overall... Was nice. Lego Star Hulk. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, even though those are fun, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, but fun. Uh, so honestly, good. I'm gonna say Knights of the Old Republic too. Mm. 
See, I wasn't big on, on those kind of RPGs. I wanted... That's why I cling to Force Unleashed so much is because that's the type of game I've wanted mm-hmm. is that action kind of... But actually more of an action RPG, but that was purely an action-adventure game. Mm-hmm. But it was great, and it was an original story. It was awesome. Um, I can see why the Old Republic and all those other games kind of got as popular as they were. Uh, but it wasn't my cup of tea, but I understand how they were popular. But you're not a huge RPG fan anyways, though. Not anymore. No, not I anymore. Mean, so, I mean, from that ilk, I mean, Knights of Republic was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand why it's awesome, and I've seen, um, I've seen gameplay. It's great. It, it just wasn't, like, those aren't my mm-hmm. cup of tea anymore. Wait, yeah. you wouldn't classify Red Dead Redemption as an RPG? No, not so much. Those are an open-world sandbox an game, yeah. Action. Right. I, I would say it's more of an action RPG than anything else. It's not a traditional RPG in the sense of Knights of the Republic or yeah. Final Fantasy. It's kind of we're, It's kind of in a gray area with, a, with an actual RPG mm. because the old RPG kind of uh, uh, game model is gone. Like, you don't have a turn-based system in, in games anymore. I mean, unless it it's like have an to be indie tur- game. It doesn't have to be yeah. turn-based in order to be RPG. Yeah, but that was kind of like the standard for a role-playing games. It was. I mean, that was... But that was Square. Square drove that. Yeah, I that mean, was more of a Square thing. I mean, that was when... That was, like, some of my last times playing those type of games was really Final Fantasy X. That was the last one I played, really, as an, a full-fledged mm-hmm. RPG. Yep. So I, I, I applaud the employees that spoke out about this. I really do. Because that took guts. Yeah. That took a lot it's of guts. Well, I mean, if my and doctor is telling me I need to take time off, I'm going to freaking say something. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I definitely have to go back to work they and had, say, like, hey, I definitely can't come into work because my doctor told me. They to. had massive like, amounts of know that. attrition in the last two years because of it. Right. So I, I applaud them. I think much like the Me Too movement in, in Hollywood, it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. It needed to be brought up because, I mean, video gaming is the biggest industry there is. It's bigger than movies. I mean, granted... I mean, is then, it bigger than movies? Uh, it is, from a dollar's perspective, it is actually bigger than uh, movies yeah, now. Probably. Really? Bigger. Yes. Okay. <coughs> well, I think a lot, I mean, of the, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact is theaters have become so expensive to go see a movie anymore... So you can't really take your family of four yeah. to the theater. And the whole pay to play, the mm-hmm. you know the Fortnites, the Call of Duties, yeah, the yeah, online. That's, that's what I was more thinking. The like you got all the microtransactions, you got all the DLCs. Yeah, the esports. I mean, like the, a game the is, a game is no longer huge now. A game is no longer just seventy dollars. It's yeah. more like closer to two fifty. Mm-hmm. Which uh, funny mentioned the. Uh, that model is because they're coming out with a DLC for Resident Evil 2 for five bucks you can basically have all your weapons unlocked with unlimited ammo oh so god mode god mode yeah oh. something that you originally but that's had something to you had to earn the yeah. back in the day now they're gonna let you pay for it that's something you had to earn like that that, that, takes away. that was something that you had to discover which was more fun where you had the freaking like codes to put in the freaking controllers yeah. like right left star star no, whatever no, no, no. up up down down left right yes there you go DA stopped <laughs> so the good old days you know, for codes let's yeah. move on some ha- let's move on some happy news because Hollywood this week we got some pictures of good old Arsenio Hall <laughs> And Eddie Murphy 
getting back in the swing of things for coming to America. It's so glow. It's so glow time. <laughs> um, you know, I wonder if we're going to see the uh, Golden Arch or whatever he, McDowell was, you know. McDowell's. <laughs> McDowell's. Um, I wonder if we'll see Samuel L. Jackson back as the uh, the armed robber. Actually, that'd be great if we saw him reformed. <laughs> if he was like... <laughs> why even <why laughs> reformed or like... Reformed oh, and like no no I would love uh, to see going back to, like, I would love like, to see him trying to knock off the towels again oh that actually or even that <laughs> you know that'd be funny so, or, or if he just wanted to actually buy something <laughs> so much like with with Bad Boys Three being made right now I I really hope that they do it and they do it right and it's a classic because you know coming to America is a great movie the eighties mm-hmm. granted. Looking back at it, there's probably some things now with the current culture of, you know, America, you would probably deem as oppressive. Yeah, it's super racist. <laughs> well, not even that is when he's the whole selection of the wife, you know? Hey, yeah, I yeah, want yeah. you to basically hop on one foot and bark like a dog, you know, and she does it. It's like nowadays. Well, yeah, but, but, but if you look at that scene, yeah, he was like, I can't. I can't marry you like this. Yeah, I need some. I need a woman with a mind well, of her own. Yeah, but you kind of look at that culture. But, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like Night at the Roxbury. You know, you go. I can't. I, you go back and rewatch that and how they're trying to dance with everybody. Oh uh, yeah. In today's culture, that doesn't fly. That's going to be assault. No. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to jail. Yeah. So um, I hope. I hope it's great. I really do. Um, when yeah, it comes, pretty much like borderline rape. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it is. And it's like, I, I literally, like, I, I used to love that movie and and the skit that they had on a Saturday Night Live. I tried you to, really I bought liked that movie. So, no, back I did. back in when it first came out in the 90s. Because um, that's still, when it was I one of the best. I still appreciate that movie because, you know what, I, like, I, I think, like like you and, and like me, I think we... Associate that movie with the time that it with one of the best when it came. I would out. say probably the second best SNL cast ever. Yeah, mm. but at that time, even seeing, even watching that movie now, uh, I don't associate it with the time of now because it was made back then when that was able to fly. Mm-hmm. Same with Coming to America back back then in the height of like the Eddie Murphydom, you know, yeah. uh, that type of movie flew because it was the it was the 80s, early 90s, whatever. It was a great movie for its time. Will it, would it have worked now? No. no probably not. Absolutely not. not. So, hopefully, um, so hopefully, like, so they update it and they, you know, they're a little bit, I guess, PC, but I think they're going to be original and James Earl, do what they do best. James Earl Jones is listed on IMDb. Oh, great. yes. He's the dad. Yeah. That's amazing. Which, speaking of movies with James Earl Jones reprising characters... The first full length trailer for Lion King dropped this week. Oh my god, it looks so good. It does, and I'm very excited. I'm excited for it. I've been excited yeah. for this one since they, they announced it. Aladdin, I'm still on the fence on. As much as I love Will Smith, it's not Robin Williams. True. And yeah. it's going to be hard to watch that movie without Robin. Yeah. It is. And it's still hard for me to watch even the animated Aladdin without him right now. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of sad is because when. Theo and I went to E3, that would have been, it was 2015 that we went with Scott? Yeah, it was our that second was year, because the first year was with, with, with Mike when we with met. Clued, yeah. um, and we go to we went down to, but we were, we're going down to Bethesda. 
That's was when we went 14? to Bethesda. Yeah, it was 2015. But was it 2014 was our first one? 2014 was our first one. So I thought I'm on number six, aren't I? Mm. I am on number six, but I you went. went I went alone. Yeah, you went alone the first year. year, and that's, that's when right. he told me how we got how we got our industry pass. That's right. <laughs> so, but you know when we stepped off the the subway there and we turned to head down the Hollywood Walk of Fame towards you know the theater. Yeah, the Dolby. There's Robin Williams' star right there. Mm. It was like oh, no. you know. Um, so I'm excited for Lion King. I really am. <coughs> Not gonna lie. I'll I'm very it. excited. Uh, I've I have. Truly been on board for all of these live action like reboots. Um, I, I am with you with the being a little bit more skeptical with Aladdin only because I do agree it's very hard to fill those shoes. Yep. Robin Williams was. I I, I kind of hope for Will Smith's sake in the movie that they really wrote it in such a way that they weren't trying to match that I don't level. Think, I, I, I that's, really that's hope they're trying a whole yeah. new direction. That's what kind of doesn't worry, worry me about that because well, and did you why see they the, went with Will Smith because well, one, when he he did an interview on why mm-hmm. he accepted the role because yeah. he, he did say, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm getting into. But to be quite honest, I'm going to go at this role as a completely new role and make it original mm-hmm. because, let's just face it, I can't fill those shoes. Nobody can. You know, right. I can't bring back what, well, what what Robin Williams did. So I think he's really going to try and make it his own. And because it is kind of a reboot, it's, it's going to be a live action. I think they're going to do like an homage, kind of show like... A, maybe like remake a scene that Robin Williams did maybe to show thanks but I think it's going to be an original piece mm-hmm. which I'm not worried which I'm not like yep. angry about because Will Smith is very talented and I think he'll he'll make it his own so that being said with some big roles to fill and whatnot is today Star Wars Celebration Chicago <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we oh my got god. our <laughs> teaser trailer for Star Wars oh my god um, we do know it is going to be called Rise of Skywalker. So many questions, and I'm okay, like so, so excited. Let's look at let's look at the trailer. And for the what it trailer is. was Ray. Oh, we know Ray. Ray. Oof. Oh my God. Daisy Ridley looking so good. Daisy Daisy and Ridley, you are the best. Oh my like, God. Man, you look. They made you look so cool. Yep. I'm excited. So I am excited for it, and it, it there's a lot in it. Is you've got. Ray showing off a new ability. We're actually seeing the whole force powered agility acrobatic yep. moves, which I'd be interested to see if she actually saws that TIE fighter in half <sighs> with a lightsaber. Oh, yeah. We know it's oh capable. My God. Um, you see Kylo Ren actually putting his helmet back, back together. together. Yeah. You know? So we're actually going to see, see that, that Darth side to him. I find that interesting that um, he, he's putting back together the same helmet that he basically destroyed in Last so, Jedi. Because, I mean, like... It, I have a theory on that one. Because, like, why do you need to put it back together? Because, I mean, one at word. least with Vader, he had multiple helmets. One, no, Vader only had one helmet. No, he had more than one. He only had one. He definitely had more than one. <laughs> yeah, he had one. Because he switched one out in uh, Empire Strikes Back. No, Dark. that was... He had it yes. basically... No, it was for his health. He I was think that going was in the back to tank. I, yeah, he was in the chamber. He had a back to tank uh, above his... Recharge. So, I got one word for him why he's putting back together. Mm. Palpatine. Because it is Palpatine's voice at the end of that trailer. Yeah. When they're staring at the wreckage of the Death Star. 
Right. I have a feeling he went back and Palpatine was like, this is your lineage. This is who you are. This is, you know... And it makes take, sense for... Like, this is your identity. Yeah, this it is makes sense for his complete degradation because, from Last Jedi because he he was at odds with his identity mm-hmm. and, in that movie. And with yeah. Force Awakens, when he showed up on the battlefield with that helmet, people feared him. Yeah. Once he went without the helmet, it was like, really? Yeah, true. So... True. Um... Seeing Billy D. Williams back as Lando. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Falcon. Back in the Falcon. was great. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I want to give a shout out to Reality Pales for uh, his Twitter today saying that they announced Uncharted 5 at Star Wars Celebration because Poe looks exactly like <laughs> Uncharted 3. Yes. Um, so that was great. Um, maybe, we, maybe we found a Nathan Drake for the movies. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, maybe. Well, we've, I mean, we've Oscar Isaac is an amazing actor. But, but we've got Tom, he Tom is. Holland's already going to be... He's young, Nathan Drake. True. We'll see what happens for that's, the others. That's, yeah, think, that's a young I think po- I think he could pull off. I think, I think he could. Um, Tom Holland? No. no uh, uh, oh, I, was say, I need to yeah. see Tom Holland in, a, in like a scruff first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too so much of a baby face. Yeah. Too much baby face. So we know the title is Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Is it A, going to be... Skywalker being Luke Skywalker being resurrected. Is it B referencing it to the whole Skywalker lineage, the whole bloodline? And do we think Rey is a Skywalker or is she still gonna be somebody else? I'm I'm leaning more towards A. But who knows? I'm leaning towards B. I think it's the lineage thing. It's gonna be it's the teachings from Skywalker, it's the rise, it's gonna be the the teachings of Jedi coming back and everything it's just it's Skywalker's legacy, legacy coming back up that I, I can see it kind so of going that way too yeah. I think I think they're gonna I'm just, be I hope A I just hope A I think it's gonna be A personally <laughs> well, because it's just because we love Mark Hamill well, yeah. well <laughs> oh, they yeah. also said that you know 2 got really screwed up with a lot of their plans for the entire trilogy uh-huh. and J.J. Abrams is coming back he's mm-hmm. already said some of it's gonna be retconned I think it's gonna be A However, I don't think Daisy Ridley's character Ray is going to be a Skywalker. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think so. No, I still hold to what I thought in the beginning with Force Awakens. I still think she's a Kenobi. That's still a good theory, and it's still sound. Because it's that's his only. That's the only voices that speak to her are young and old Kenobi. That is true. With the right. Yeah. And it's his original lightsaber that she has. Like, yep. yes, S- Skywalker had it for a while, mm-hmm. but it's still Kenobi's. Yeah. So, with that being said, I definitely would love to hear what our listeners' comments are on what they think about who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Is she going to be a Skywalker? Is yeah, she I, not? I really want to know, with that Death Star at the end of the trailer, like, where is that? And like, because it it looked reminiscent of the same training island that she saw that she met with Skywalker yeah. on, and I'm like, why was this not known <laughs> at all before anything? I kind of figured that with with two especially, like it was Luke Skywalker's escape. So yeah. I would definitely not think he would want remnants of a Death Star 
within uh, like a day's walk or whatever or a boat ride. So I think my thing is is we know Endor was a moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is it possibly it is the planet that Endor orbited around that we never really saw. Mm. Oh, maybe. Because, you know, we we always knew it was the forest moon of Endor. That's right. That's right. So we never knew what planet was sitting down there. So the Death Star was blown up right there above Endor. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's a remnants of it could have fallen. Remnants, and it's the dish. It, yeah. It's right there where the control room was with Palpatine. You know who I missed so, out, out of the trailer? Granted, you see the back of his head for like hmm. a split second. John Boyega. I would have loved to see more of him in the trailer. Yeah, but maybe no, he's he, in. No, he's in. He's in a scene. But he's maybe, in he has, maybe he has more of a he, key role, which is his, why they're keeping it. You only see him in the group. No, uh, he's in the picture with Ray and. Uh, no, in Oscar the very in the very beginning, he's got a, a quick scene where they're they flash in. He's got a quick little. You see the front of him really quick. Then when they're panning through everybody, I'll have to all the different scenes. Him. But yeah. still, that's just a quick, really quick quip mm-hmm. of him. Like I want to see a line. Or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe he plays a more important role in this movie. I would it's hope so, because I mean, like he's because he, he like his, Ray. His were, his yeah, yeah. her like the relationship with him and Ray is just so paramount to the structure yeah. throughout the entire trilogy. Yeah. So. Well, with that being said, guys, I want to thank everybody for crashing game night with us tonight. Especially, this has truly been kind of a game night tonight <laughs> at our house. You know, yeah. um, if you like what you heard, please let us know. Don't forget to, to subscribe to us on those podcast services you're listening to us, whether it be SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, as well as uh, don't forget to follow us on our crashing game night channel on Apple News. I want to say, everyone, be excellent to each other and stay frosty. Later, nerds, and please leave us your comments on your thoughts of the accessibility and Star Wars even. But uh, please leave us your comments. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Later, nerds.